Hope it, does everybody have a, a, a handout? We are looking at memory. What we've done so far is we've just said, okay, why in the world are we having a class on memory? And we've tried to pull that apart a little bit and, and look at the fact that uh, memories are extremely important. They kind of make up our life in every way. And uh, we've also tried to look and see that God is um, a God of memory. He says, I remember stuff. So we're trying to sort through that and see what that's about and just see how memories form from these experiences that we have, and, and then we begin to, to put together these experiences from memory into a story, and that story becomes a script that we begin to live by. So we looked at that. It's pretty important stuff. And, uh, and tonight, we're looking at the fact that God actually tells us to remember. So, so that's another good reason He's told us to do it. Um, so we're trying to sort through what that is. And remember, uh, what is uh, more of a definition of remember than, than, than gaining access to it. What is our idea of remember? <clears throat> Does anybody remember? <clears throat> yes. Call to the front of the mind. That's, it's, God has total access to everything we believe. And what, he, what he's saying is, I will remember I call this to the front of my mind. And so that's what he's asking us to do. Um, here in this quote from Paula uh, Fredkinson, um, <clears throat> is memory is our bridge to the world outside ourselves, to ourselves, and to God. Paula is a professor, used to be at Boston University. I think she's at Hebrew University right now over in Jerusalem. Um, but um, she is a major, major historian, especially Christian historian. She has done some of the leading leading work in just saying, okay, what was the historical reality going on? And one of the things that she did some work with was Augustine's uh, work. And Augustine is big on memory. He has a whole on his confessions, as, a, as he calls them, um, but it's kind of his autobiography of trying to deal with God. And, and one of his chapters is on memory. And as she is sorting through what Augustine believes is that this really memory and thought is as close to the image of God as we get as far as the non-material, the non-earthy, if you will. Our, our thoughts aren't material. They're, yes, they happen inside the brain and they happen inside of us, but somehow these memories, these memories are just there. You know? um, and so, so it's, kind of a, it's kind of an interesting thing, but what she kind of summarize that, that's what our statement is here, is that it's a great, I think a great way to look at this is to think of it as memories of this bridge, this bridge to a world that's outside of us, beyond us, a world that is in the past and the world that we're living in. Somehow it's memories that pull all that together, that, that begin to help us make sense of what the world's really about. And then um, it's, it's also memories are inside of us. And so it's, it's that bridge to who are we really? Well, we're, remember what the, one of the quotes we had? We're a bunch of memories that form our habits. <laughs> and so therefore, so it's a, it's a bridge. If you can think, I thought it was a pretty good picture. And then it's that bridge to God. Who is God? What's God about? Well, it's these memories that we form, these memories that he has given to others that are passed on that become memories. Right? And so Augustine had this idea that, that the present, we've got the past, we've got the present, we have the future. Really only the present is reality, but how can you say that the present is reality when we just got through and now we're 
All that I just said is in the past. So it's a memory. But it's now. Well, no, it's not. If you count it as time. And so not only that, but we can project into the future pretty much. I already am forming what I'm going to say. And so it's really out there. It's going to happen. So he's just saying it all flows together. And it happens through memory. Through memory. In other words, the past, memory. Happens right now, but it's already projected to the future, memories. So it's this bridge. That's what we're trying to say, and I think it's a pretty good picture. And for us, the bridge of bridges is, where does this come from? Do this in remembrance. <clears throat> where does that come from in the scriptures? <clears throat> Lord's Supper. Lord's Supper. Right. Pretty directly. Let's, uh, let's just go over there. Somebody, somebody, go, you, somebody go to Matthew 26, read that one. Somebody want to go to Luke 22 and read that one. Uh, even if we want to go over to 1 Corinthians 11. Okay. Let's, just, uh, let's just hear it again because uh, we want to read it. Does anybody... Uh, did I, I didn't put those scriptures down right here, did I? Well, what in the world? I got right. 11. <clears throat> you forgot. Yeah. <laughs> hey, now. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> what you want first? I got Christian That's fine. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So let's go. At what what verses is it? Does it? Do you have the red letter so you can see that Jesus is? <laughs> no, I want it. <laughs> what? I don't even know. That's a real Bible. <clears throat> okay. Let's go twenty three through twenty six. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. Oh, by the way, I do have red letters. That the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance for me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me. Go mm-hmm. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Yeah. We're even seeing in, in Paul's uh, uh, instructions to us, we're seeing past, present, future. Yeah. He pulls all that together as well. Did you notice something, though, that Paul pulls that neither Matthew, Mark, or Luke tell us about? He says, do this in remembrance. He says, he took the bread and said, do this in remembrance. And he took the cup and said, Paul says, do this in remembrance. But neither Matthew, Mark, or Luke say that for the cup. Another memory. An added memory. As, where did Paul say he got this? From the Lord. And so, therefore, an added memory even from Paul versus Matthew, Martha, Mark, and Luke. Okay. Well, what we're trying to look at here is, um, is, is just the reality that we live in this bridge or on this bridge. And it's this connection. It's this connection to our past. It's connection to the future. It's connection to God himself. And so what we're trying to do is pull this apart tonight um, what are some of the things that usually people tr- try to talk about when they talk about the Lord's Supper or the Communion or Eucharist? What are some of the things that you've heard just talked about? 
We're going to talk about the Lord's Supper. What's probably going to come up? Christ's body. How to do it? Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Bob? Christ's body. Okay. We're going to talk about Christ's body. How to do it? Anybody Sacrifice. else? Hmm? Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Okay. Anything else? Just if, talk. We're going to talk about the Lord's Supper. What do you think is going to come up? Anybody else? I think suffering is often a theme. Suffering? Self-examination. Self-examination? It's good. Okay. All of those are good and all of those are valid. You know, how do you do it? What does you do it? Maybe how often? <laughs> you know, um, does, uh, does what happens to the bread and the, and the, and the uh, fruit of the vine, what really happens to it? Does anything really happen to it? You know, um, is, it is it more than a memorial? Is it just a memorial? I mean, you, you kind of talk about all these different kinds of things when we start thinking about the Lord's Supper. But really, uh, one of the great keys to the Lord's Supper is exactly what we're talking about. Do this in remembrance. In remembrance. And remember, <laughs> remembrance is not, i got to access this somehow. Okay? This is to call to mind. This is to put it in the front of your mind. And when you go to the Scriptures, this is all the way through the Scriptures. This call to remember. This call to bring it forth. So what we want to do is think down through this and look at some of these um, together. First of all, it is a memorial. It's a memorial. He, that, it's a call to remembrance. And so therefore we've got the idea of a memorial. What do you think of when you think of a memorial? How would you define memorial? Okay, good. The real idea of a memorial, and that's it's somehow it's, it's tangible element, tangible elements, that somehow engage this, our senses. And the reason that they, these, they're there is in order to, to call to mind, as we said, or to remember a certain experience, specific past experience. And so that's a memorial. Memorials. It's some, some kind of elements that we can do right here, right now. And they, will, they, they are intended to engage our, our senses right now. But it's not just to do right now. It is to bring to mind something that has already happened. That's memorial, past experience. And so it's brought over to this. Jesus is not creating something. What, what day is this, as um, we just read? Passover. Passover time. This is Passover time. If you go back to Exodus, remember, Passover came about because they left Egypt. And so God says... This is going to be a memorial. Okay. He establishes the memorial. What other memorials has God set up? If you go back through and think of, of memorials. Building the temple. Okay. He has the tabernacle, which David then turns into the temple. Pile of rocks. Hmm? Pile of rocks. Pile of rocks. <laughs> yes. Take the rocks. Pile them up. How many? Usually. Twelve. <laughs> All right. Take the twelve. Pile them up. What else is memorial? He named a lot of places after people. Yes. Names themselves. As a matter of fact, but even before the Passover, he tells Moses, my name is the memorial. My name is the memorial. So that. Um, he has established a memorial with the rainbow. Where he looked at that. 
Uh, and you, you just keep going through the Old Testament. He's got altars all over the place. The very fact that he, he puts the commandments on stone, okay, it becomes a memorial. It's held in the Ark of the Covenant. Certain things went into the Ark. Why? Memorial. So, so when we come to Jesus, as we've already talked about, we're, we're stepping into a memorial. So if you want to think of it this way, every time that we gather to do this thing called the Lord's Supper or Communion or Eucharist, somehow these elements, Jesus is saying, ought to be able to pull you into the past, or maybe we could say pull the past into where you are right now. Call this to mind. But it's not just, remember what we talked about, the definition? It's not just that we have it in here, but now then what we are calling to mind affects what we're going to do right now. And so therefore what we're going to project into the future is because of the past that we're remembering that we bring into now and we now live out. So that's a memorial. Pretty, pretty important. So inside of this memorial, all the way through the scriptures, here's some of the things that God says we have to remember. And that is when you have this memorial, it gets going. You're, you're gonna, he says over and over, remember me. Jesus even says that. When you do this, he actually doesn't say, remember the cross? Remember the sacrifice? Remember, he says, remember me. So what do you think he had in mind in that? What does he mean by remember me? Who he is, what he's done. Okay. Those are the two things right on there. It is who he is who he has claimed to be, what he has done. So it's not just a matter of getting your focus on the cross. It's a matter of remembering the totality of Christ, Jesus. He's the king. I mean, we, just keep, we could just keep listening to things, couldn't we? That's why basically when you come to the Lord's Supper, you can come to something new every week. Every time you take it, if you take it daily. You, you could come to something new every day because you're actually remembering Jesus. And, and when we do that, we're then, of course, Jesus has um, made the claim, as well as the apostles later, that said, when you see Jesus, you actually are witnessing God. You're actually witnessing God. So now then the memorial is not just about a man who died on the cross or lived and did a few miracles. We are now going into to get a glimpse of, with this bread, with this fruit of the vine, we're getting a glimpse of God. We're bringing God into the present and through this memory of who he is and what he's done, expressed to us through Jesus. So when you take this, you don't have to remember just the lamb, even though when they, when they did the Passover, they, it was the same reason. He, he said before he did the Ten Commandments, you have to remember. You have to remember who I am. And so therefore, it's, it's all about that, but this is the... Jesus is really wrapping this up in this, in this bridge. And so what we're talking about is this bridge of memories that move us right into this reality. And we've already talked about um, the name idea. Cohen said that. Yeah. Remember when he's at the burning bush? Yeah. What's, he, what's he call himself? I am. I am. I am. Yahweh in, in the Hebrew. And, and so it's I am that I am. I am everything I need to be. And... and and Moses is basically going, well, who am I going to say you are? And he says, well, you say I am. And that 
is my memorial name. That is the name that I want to be remembered by. That is the name that declares who I am. It's not just a tag to identify somebody, but when you talk about the Eastern world and the name, it is everything about who you are. And of course, when Jesus says, remember me, what does Jesus mean? What does his name actually mean? It's Joshua or Yeshua? Deliverer. The one who saves, the one who delivers, the one who rescues. So now you're taking his name and saying, here is the, here, every time, it's the Savior. He is saving us. Anyway, we're just kind of pulling this apart, but it's, a, it's a pretty important because all the way through the Scriptures, God tells us to remember, and it, and it really is these things over and over, and Jesus has pulled it into one event, one event. And it's already been brought up. It's not just who God is, but what God has done what God has done and this is this is something that people have tried to pull into um, their mind over and over again uh, somebody take go to first chronicles 16 first chronicles 16 Chris you look like you've got a fast phone <laughs> first chronicles 16 read 12 through 15 this, by the way, this is when the Ark of the Covenant comes back in to town, comes back to the city of David. Remember, it's been gone, stolen the Philistines. So David's bringing it back. Samuel talks about this as well. Um, and so in Samuel, Samuel's story is a little bit more fun because David comes in with a big party and dances, and his wife doesn't like that too much. The king's getting her embarrassed. And, but uh, she finds out that probably wasn't the smartest uh, thing to do was confront David on that. But anyway, it, Chronicles doesn't have that. But this is what David calls everybody to do. The ark is back, and we've got to praise God. So the whole thing, I think beginning about verse 8, is this whole psalm of David of praise, but 12 and 15 directly talk about remember. What are those, Chris? Go 12 through 15. Remember his miracles and all his wonders and his fair decisions. Belonging to the family of Israel, his servant, you are his chosen ones, the descendants of Jacob. The Lord is our God, bringing justice everywhere on earth. We must never forget his agreement and his promises, not in thousand years. Or not in thousands of years. <laughs> not in thousands of years. Even we today, thousands of years later, are talking about it. So, what is it? What is David when he's praising God? He says, Let's all call to mind. What did, it, what did it say there, Chris? Remember? Uh, wonders yep. and fair decisions. Fair decisions, his wonders, his justice, his fairness. What else? Remember down in verse 15. His agreement and his promises. Okay. The word agreement is usually translated what? Covenant. Covenant. And so, so David is saying that what God has established, as a matter of fact, he goes on to say his covenant with who? Yeah, his people. His covenant. And in other places, David is very specific and he says the covenant, sometimes he'll say with Moses or Israel. And then sometimes he goes back even further and says with Abraham. Abraham and then Isaac and then Jacob. You extended it. And then the covenant came to David. And so 
As Now, what we're talking about is, so here's the thing. Anytime you begin to, to think about what God does, at the center of this is somehow promise. At the center of this is covenant. Whatever God is doing, it is to confirm, it is to establish, it is to show he can be trusted. And David sees that over and over. We have that throughout the Psalms at the same wording. Go back and remember. Go back and remember. All those years, you didn't think God was anywhere around, but he, he knew just the time to do what he did to get you out of Egypt. It was, it was his timing. It was good. All those kind of different things. And it goes to covenant. So, what are we talking about when we say covenant? What are, what are some things that come to mind? What, how would you describe that? Covenant. I think it's things that he expects you to do. Okay. Covenant. In, 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 in. It, it had it ha- agreements. Okay. Some things that, okay. Like a deal or a promise. A deal or a promise. Good. Hmm? A vow. A vow. Good. Good. Sometimes, sometimes translated contract. Okay. Contract. Covenant. In the Eastern world, they still are, this is really, the word is cut, and it's usually a cut, a covenant, and that is because it's the idea of blood in, in the Eastern world, even still, but especially when you go back into the Hebrew world and the, and the world they lived in. So in Abraham, Genesis 15, remember what God does? Establishes the covenant, tells Abraham to go get animals and do what? Cut them in two. Cut them in two. Let the blood drip down each side of the, of the ditch. And normally, both parties walk through. And what they're saying is, if I do not keep my word, you do to me what we did to these animals. Or I will die keeping the covenant. And so therefore, as you walk through that blood, but in Abraham's case, who doesn't walk through? Abraham. Only God walks through. To say, I have established my covenant with you. And so, it, and Jesus is saying, who is the one that is going to walk through the blood? I am. This is a new covenant. It's not you that's establishing it with God. It's me. Or if you want to think of it this way, God once again is bringing to us a new covenant. We're thinking about a God who covenants. Well, that's with someone. All right. And so and so it was brought up. Well, okay, what's what's the other side of the covenant? If God is the only one that walks through the blood, then the, then the, who is responsible for making sure that the covenant is kept? God. Okay. So God is the one that establishes the covenant, but as as was said, it's not just for himself. <laughs> it is a covenant for us. And so therefore, now then, he's establishing the reality that he can be trusted. The benefits of the covenant are immense. So now we're going back to what do we call to mind with, this, with, this, with these elements that, that Christ has given us. He says the blood is the new covenant. And he says in 1 Corinthians um, chapter 3, he says, Now if the ministry that were brought death, which was engraved in letters of stone came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory. 
through it, what it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was the glory that has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory? And if what was uh, then came with glory, how much greater is the glory that which lasts? Okay, it's talking come. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We're not like Moses who would put a veil over his face and prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, then Moses is read, a veil comes over their hearts. But whenever uh, anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and when the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are becoming transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The covenant that he made with the Israelites was a covenant that they could not keep. God actually had them stand there and say, you are in covenant with me, you must keep these things. He has not done that with Abraham. He says, through you all the nations will be blessed, I'm keeping this. And so we come to this new covenant, as Paul is trying to say, is, is like Christ. Okay? Hey, I'm keeping this covenant. I'm going to make sure that it happens. And so he says... How much more glorious is that? What we're trying to do is say, wow, if we can call these things to mind, they, become, they begin to become very, very powerful uh, in our lives. Well, we've, we've been talking a long time here, um, and, it's, and really time is, is up for this class. But what we're trying to grab hold of is the you know, immense reality of do this in remembrance. You know? And what we want to get to, and we'll pick this up next week, because it just, it just requires us to keep thinking about this. And what I challenge everybody to do this week is to think about, okay, just the things that we've talked about so far. You know, what all kinds of things can you think of that begin to say, who is God when you look at Christ? Remember me. What are all the different kinds of things that could be in that? You know, what all can we say that God has done as we go back and pull from the past, as David did, as Jesus did, as Jesus tells us to do, you know, as Paul did. And so we're beginning to just, and now we've just ended with this idea of covenant. What does it mean when I take the bread and, and drink uh, the cup? Covenant. What, what does that mean for me to be in covenant with God? What does it mean that God has established a covenant that he is going to make sure happens? What does it mean for me in Christ? Because Jesus is very clear. This is the this is the blood of the new covenant. There's all kinds of there's all kinds of uh, really neat ways to come at this. Neat ways to come at this. And what and the reason we're we're spending so much time talking about it is because we don't really spend all that much time talking about it when we actually do it. <laughs> and so and so we're trying to grab hold of of the uh, of how unbelievably massive um, when Jesus says, do this in remembrance. Do this in remembrance. And yet, how extremely powerful and wonderful it can be for us. Well, let's pick up next week. Keep your papers. 
we'll start to look at, okay, all of a sudden now we have to think about who we are. I think somebody said this. Usually it comes up, self-examination. Paul even talks about that because we have to now think about this. Well, who am I that God would do this for me? What's this all about? And then we'll go on to, to see some other things that are, that are right there in that, 